Chapter Five of Finn the Wolfhound by Alec John Dawson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Five: Youth Beside the Downs. Finn did not have more than one solitary night for the present. His great bed in the coach house, which was twelve feet long by six feet broad was shared the next night by the other three puppies who had seen the last of their foster-mother that morning they whimpered a little after the last night meal when they found themselves bereft of maternal attention and this gave finn an opportunity for indulging in a certain amount of swagger on the strength of his previous night's experience he had already adopted the air of a dog accustomed to go his own way and to sleep alone also he regarded the coach-house bed as his own and the other puppies as youngsters only admitted to that place by his courtesy thus from the very outset here as elsewhere he gave his comrades to understand that he was master and that no one must presume to trespass upon any quarter which he took up as his own all day long the four puppies had the run of the shed in the orchard which was kept wide open if a shower of rain came they were bustled into this place by the mistress of the kennels and there the most of their nine daily meals were served to them nine meals in a day seems a very large number but this was part of the master's theory in the rearing of irish wolfhounds or any other dog in whom great size is aimed at in the week after weaning the meals began at half-past five in the morning and finished at ten o'clock at night in the next week they were cut down to eight meals the next week seven the next week six the next fortnight five and then for a long time the number of meals served to these young princes of their breed each day was four the object in all this was threefold first the master held it necessary that these pups should have as much nourishment as they were capable of assimilating with advantage secondly he was anxious never to spoil their appetites by permitting them at any time to experience surfeit and in the third place he believed strongly in light meals for young hounds as distinguished from the sort of meal often given which leaves the puppy fit for nothing but the heavy sleep of the overeaten tara's pups romped after their meals and slept before them their digestions were never overtaxed and their soft unset legs were never overstrained by the extremely bulging stomach which many breeders associate as a matter of course with puppyhood this the master held to be a point of great importance with hounds of this kind whose limbs take just as long to harden and set as those of any other breed while their increase in weight to be carried on these limbs is enormously rapid at all events in the case of such whelps as those of tara's for instance at the age of five weeks finn weighed just over fourteen pounds sixteen days later he weighed twenty-two pounds two ounces while the other three pups weighed respectively on the same day twenty pounds nineteen and a half pounds and eighteen and three-quarter pounds growth at the rate of just half a pound weight per day is growth which requires a good deal of wise feeding and care at the age of twenty weeks finn weighed ninety-one sick one-quarter pounds puppies legs are easily bowed and rarely straightened finn and his brother and sister were never allowed on damp ground at this period 
it was rarely that they were out of the sight of either the master or the mistress of the kennels for more than half an hour at a time as the master said breeding champion irish wolfhounds is no light undertaking the mistress of the kennels was the more inclined to agree with him for the reason that it was her province to see to it even when the pups were having their nine meals a day that the same kind of meal was never served twice consecutively the dietary included four or five staple articles with as many as seven or eight different accessories the bills of fare at different successive periods were as studiously and exactly drawn up by the master as ever a human patient's diet is arranged by doctors in a hospital but of all these things which kept several people pretty busy five or six feeding dishes were scalded and washed nine times a day there was a puppy's kitchen and a puppy's larder finn and his companions knew nothing to them life was the most delightfully haphazard affair made up exclusively of playing sleeping and eating with a little occasional fighting and mock fighting over the huge bones which were placed at their disposal to serve the purpose of toothbrushes and tooth sharpeners by way of diversion and excitement their play was not at all unlike that of human children they loved to dig holes in the ground to hide behind tree trunks and spring out upon one another with terrifying cries and pretended fierceness all kinds of make-believe appealed to them greatly and to none of them more keenly than to finn who liked to come galloping down from the other end of the orchard to the old oak tree flying exaggerated danger signals and making believe that he was pursued by a savage and remorseless enemy one morning very much to the amazement of the pups the master came strolling into the orchard followed by a huge creature of their own species who walked with the slow and gracious dignity of a great queen none of them guessed that this was tara their own mother and tara herself gave no sign of being aware that these were her own children after some minutes of embarrassed watchful uncertainty finn greatly daring ventured to step out from among his companions and approach tara closely enough to sniff warily at her legs and tail his own tail hanging meekly on the ground the while tara sniffed at him once with amiable indifference and then turned her head the other way two minutes later finn had discovered that this great hound was perfectly well-meaning and kindly disposed and that his habit and nature being what they were was sufficient to place him at once upon terms of highly presumptuous familiarity having watched their daring brother from a distance so far the other pups now took heart of grace and were soon sniffing respectfully about tara's legs for a moment the mother of heroes felt or pretended to feel mere boredom but as the master turned away to look at some distant object a diplomatic move upon his part this tara smiled broadly stretched out her forelegs on the ground exactly as a cat will when about to play and again in cat-like fashion began to spring about around and over the half-fearful but wholly delighted puppies when the master turned round again the five of them mother and four children were in the midst of the wildest sort of frolic 
and impudent finn had actually reached the length of growling at his mother with theatrical savagery and leaping at the loose skin about her throat with widely distended eyes and gaping jaws after this tara spent most of her days in the orchard with the pups when tired of their frivolity she would retire to the roots of the oak tree and give them to understand that they were not to bother her further or she would leap the gate leading into the garden leaving her offspring gaping admiringly upon its orchard side and stroll into the master's den for an hour or so on one occasion she opened a new vista of life before finn and the others at the higher end of the orchard nearest to the open downs there were a number of rabbit earths and one morning when the four pups were frolicsomely following tara in that direction an unwary rabbit allowed the dogs to get between himself and the earths too late the rabbit started up from the leaf he had been nibbling and headed for his burrow tara bounded forward and cut off his retreat wheeling then at a tangent the rabbit flew toward the far end of the orchard where there was a gap in the fence tara was after him like the wind her puppies excitedly galloping in her wake yapping with delight halfway across the orchard tara overtook the bunny and her great jaws closed upon the middle of its body smashing the spinal column and killing instantaneously a moment later and finn was on the scene in a frenzy of excitement tara drew back eyeing the dead rabbit with lofty unconcern finn on the other hand endowed the poor dead little beast with the dangerous ferocity of a live tiger and sprang upon it snarling and growling desperately round and round his head he whirled the rabbit till his throat was half choked with fur and by that time the other puppies butted in each snatching a hold where it could and tugging valorously then it was that the master arrived attracted by the noise of the youngsters yapping and the pups saw no more of their victim but this brought a new interest into finn's life and much of his time now was spent in the neighbourhood of the rabbit earths many glorious runs finn had after venturesome rabbits in that corner of the orchard but he was not fleet enough as yet to catch them and possibly his jaws could hardly have managed the killing in any case but even so he experienced great joy in the matter of stalking hunting and lying in wait on a glorious mellow afternoon in september when the four pups captained as usual by finn were having great fun with a hammock chair from which they had managed to tear the canvas they looked up suddenly and not without some sense of shame to see three people strolling into the orchard from the garden with tara there was the master and the mistress of the kennels and a stately white-haired lady who fondled tara's beautiful head as she walked tara was walking with great care and delicacy to make the fondling easy she had no idea who the lady might be but yet remembered having met her before upon more than one occasion this was the lady from yorkshire who had been the generous means of restoring tara to the master she was staying now in sussex for a few days and had been asked to come to the little house beside the downs to see tara's children tara was perfectly aware that this was the object of the walk in the orchard 
and though she may have forgotten that these puppies were her own offspring she certainly had a distinctly proprietary feeling where they were concerned as one could see from the modest deprecatory expression on her face when the youngsters came gambling about her and were duly admired by the visitor you have not disposed of any of them yet then said the lady to the master oh no i should not have thought of doing that until you had an opportunity of making your choice he replied i oh but really i i the lady from yorkshire paused for one thing she was not quite sure whether the master meant that he wished her to buy one of the puppies or whether he wanted to give one of them to her she was a wealthy lady so that the monetary aspect of it did not exercise her mind much but she would not for the world have hurt the master's feelings but i am quite sure you will not deny me the real pleasure of giving you one of tara's children said the master that is a small return for your gift of tara herself but i should like to think of your having one of this family and it would make me unhappy if you were to deny me the opportunity of giving you your real choice that was why i asked you to come to-day it is tara's thank-offering and i can assure you she has excelled herself in the making of it the three were seated now so that they might observe and admire the family at leisure yes she really has excelled herself that grey dog there is finn when he was weighed yesterday he scaled nine pounds more than the biggest of the other three and they are as big as any whelps of their age i have seen that grey dog is going to be the biggest irish wolfhound bred in our time in my opinion and if you choose him he will do you credit he should be a great champion one day you will always know if you take finn that tara was not ungrateful to you as for me i know very well you will never suspect me of ingratitude it is very very good of you and i shall be delighted delighted to have one of tara's children and then the visitor stopped gazing thoughtfully at the puppies her kind heart was a good deal moved in this matter and she guessed more than the master gave her credit for guessing in the matter of how much hope and pride he had centred on the rearing of finn when the visitor spoke again it was to say slowly finn is quite splendid there is no doubt of that and i can easily believe he will do all that you expect of him but if i may be quite frank what i should really most like would be to have a female if i might i should then feel that i not only had one of tara's children of this family but also that i had a possible future mother of heroes uh, but perhaps you want to keep both females or to dispose of them otherwise one would not like to suggest of this good lady that she was anything but strictly truthful but it is a fact that she never had done any breeding of hounds and that up until that day at all events she had never thought to but the master did not know this and it was with quite an undeniable thrill of pleasure that he hailed the unexpected chance of being able to keep finn he had made up his mind that finn would be chosen and was quite prepared and glad to make the sacrifice but it was a notable sacrifice and if the same end could be served without losing finn why that was blithe news 
he was not sure of his intention to keep either of the bitch pups and in any case he would not have thought of keeping both of them but honesty and real gratitude made him impelled him to point out to the visitor that she might never again have the opportunity of obtaining the kind of hound that finn would make however she stuck to her preference for a daughter and so it was decided three days afterwards a large dog-box on little wheels with grated windows and a properly ventilated roof arrived from yorkshire and was placed outside the back kitchen door after a very light breakfast next morning it is bad for whelps or grown dogs either to have a full meal before a journey because the stress and excitements of railway travelling which are at least as great for a dog as those of airship travelling would be for a man arrest the process of digestion the fawn bitch puppy was coaxed into this box while tara looked on with a good deal of interest and that was the last she saw of the cottage by the downs when the fawn whelp left that travelling box again some nine hours later she was in the paved stable courtyard of a great house in yorkshire a week later another visitor came this time from somerset and his choice fell upon a fawn dog after half an hour spent in trying to tempt the master to part with finn when this visitor who was a famous breeder of irish wolfhounds was leaving with the fawn dog whelp in a travelling hamper he said but really i think you are mistaken you know about the grey whelp he's a beauty of course or i shouldn't want him but i fancy you made a mistake not to accept that offer fifty guineas is a longish figure for a three months pup with distempered a face and all that i'm not sure that i wasn't over rash to make such an offer the master laughed well he said be thankful that there's no likelihood of my taking advantage of your rashness as for distemper we don't deal in it at all don't believe in it if pups are constantly nourished and get no chills and no damp and no infection there's no earthly reason why they should ever have distemper at least that's how we found it so the fawn dog whelp went and finn stayed with the great bitch pup and tara's family was thus reduced to two the master said that as he had sold only one puppy of the family so far he really could not afford to keep finn's sister but however that might be he kept her for the present and now that there were but two of the youngsters they began to live more after the fashion of grown hounds as autumn advanced the pair were gradually given more and more in the way of grown-up privileges they learned to come into the den with tara and to behave themselves with discretion when there they never saw such a thing as a whip but the master spoke to them with all the sharp emphasis of a growl when original canine sin tempted them to the chewing of newspapers or attempting to tear rugs also they learned very much from tara in the matter of the deportment and dignity which becomes a wolfhound in the latter part of november their meals were reduced in number from four to three a day and they were presented with green leather collars with the master's name engraved in brass thereon these were for outdoor wear only outside the doors of the home premises that is and with them came lessons in leading which required a good deal of 
impatience on the part of the mistress of the kennels for after the first two lessons which were given by the master much of teaching work fell to her early in the morning as a general thing the master took tara and the two youngsters out on the downs and these were altogether delightful experiences for finn and his sister it was on one of these occasions and just after entering his sixth month that finn tasted the joy and pride of his first kill he had started with tara after a rabbit which had scurried out from behind a little hillock no more than ten distant paces the rabbit wheeled at a tangent from under tara's nose and as it headed down the slope was bound to cross finn's course the grey whelp's heart swelled within him his jaws dripped hot desire as he galloped the fateful moment came and the whelp seized his prey precisely as tara would have seized it a little behind the shoulders it was bad for the rabbit because finn was neither practised nor powerful enough to kill instantaneously as his mother would have done but his vehemence in shaking was such that before tara reached his side the quarry was dead tara sniffed at the dead rabbit with the air of an official inspector of such matters and then sat up on her haunches to indicate that she had no wish to interfere with her son's prize as for finn he was uncertain what course to adopt the rabbit was very thoroughly killed killed with a thoroughness which would have sufficed for half a dozen rabbits a number of obscure instincts were at work in finn's mind as he jerkily licked and withdrew from and nosed again at his first kill in the main his instinct said tear and eat but as against that he was not hungry the master believed in giving the dogs a snack before the morning run and breakfast after it because this prevents a dog being anxious to pick up any more or less edible trifle of an undesirable kind that he may meet with and then there were other instincts it was long very long since finn's kind had been killers for eating purposes finn was undecided in the matter he certainly would have allowed no dog to take his quarry from him but the matter was decided for him when the master arrived on the scene and picked up the rabbit by its hind legs finn jumped up to catch it in his jaws but the master spoke with unmistakable decision when he bade finn drop it and there the matter ended except as a proud and inspiring memory and a ground for added swagger on finn's part in the quiet corner of sussex where finn was born it was the rarest thing for the wolfhounds to meet another dog but it did occur at times and then it was odd to see how strong the instincts of their race was in the whelps they seemed to take it as a matter of course that other dogs must be lesser creatures and that as such they were to be treated with every sort of courtesy patience and good humour finn and his sister never made advances but they would stand politely still while the strangers sniffed all round them for pups in their first half-year they were extraordinarily dignified much of this of course they learned from gracious tara one of the gentlest and sweetest mannered hounds that ever lived also they had that within in the shape of truly aristocratic lineage which gave them great self-respect a tradition of courtesy and a remarkable deal of savoir-faire 
the notion of snapping or snarling at a stranger human or brute simply never occurred to either of them never for an instant that there were certain creatures whose part it was to be chased and killed seemed evident to finn but that there was any created thing in the world to be feared mistrusted hated or snapped at he did not believe it may be that finn was more of a gentleman and a sportsman than many who have borne those titles in the world without challenge or demur from any of their own kind End of chapter five